Come on, is God good? God is faithful, and we give Him all the honor and the praise. I want to really give a thanks. In case you don't know who I am, my name is Lewis. I'm the senior pastor of this church. Um, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks and I haven't, I'm not a guest, I promise. But I want to thank uh, Pastor Dexter Upshaw, uh, Pastor Kevin Butterfield, and none other than our own Pastor Mary Green are fulfilling in the pulpit in my absence. Amen? And uh, you can give them a round of applause too. It's awesome to be able to know that you can go somewhere and have some people who can take care of the ministry. Amen? Hey, Vinny, I think if you just lower that behind me, you should be fine. Maybe you have to come do that. I don't know. Getting some feedback here. We have a replacement mic because one of the guest preachers, we won't say who broke my mic. Won't say who. Leave it at that. Somebody said, "Mm mm-hmm. This is the, uh, the politics of church. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, we, we're, we're in a really good season as a church. If you don't know this or not, amen. Uh, we're heading into our 10 days of prayer season. Uh, if you've never been a part of that before, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's 10 days of nonstop prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord with evening services. And uh, this year it will be held at New Vision Ministries from September 6th to the 16th. And it's going to be a powerful time in the Lord. And, and the goal of 10 days of prayer is to draw close to God in those times and to ask the Lord what he would desire of you. And during those dates, uh, I don't know about you, but I spend as much time as possible with the Lord. Amen. I want to encourage you to, to not just uh, make plans to be there, but maybe ask the Lord if you're supposed to be serving there, if you're supposed to be doing something more, and then reach out to our office staff or our teams to be able to get plugged in and get involved. But that's coming up next, and that's a really—somebody say, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, you know, being in the vein of prayer. I want to talk to you for the next couple of weeks on the topic of prayer. And Pastor Mary started us off a couple of weeks ago, and Pastor Butterfield last week, he deviated, but that's all right. Uh, he had a great sermon, and we thank God for Pastor Butterfield. Uh, he's an amazing man of God. You know, I could, I could be wrong. It's really hard to see with these lights in my eyes. But if I'm not mistaken, I see Father Layton. Uh, that is Father Layton, amen, and his wonderful wife. Uh, could you give them a, a warm citywide welcome, amen? We love you. And then if my eyes don't deceive me, this is really good. I'm doing good on contacts, y'all. I'm doing really good. I, I see, if I'm not mistaken, Fred Conklin there. Is that you, Fred? Fred Conklin from the Luis Palau Association. Uh, coming to have service with us this morning is a great honor. I'm in Matthew 26, verse 36, and I hope to maybe uh, shed just some light on, on verses that maybe we already know, Amen. And bring some new life into that. I'm in Matthew 26, verse 36, and I'll be reading down to verse 30, 44, and I'm reading from the ESV version of the scripture. Thank you, Lord. Then Jesus went with them to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
Again, for the second time, he went away and he prayed. My father, if this cannot pass, unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. And he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going, for my betrayer is at hand. Come on, let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, we love you so much and you are the affection of our hearts. I would dare hope to believe that we're not here this morning out of religious routine or obligation, but out of deep affection for you. Nevertheless, Lord, even in the seasons of great affection, Lord, sometimes the enemy can come in and steal our attention and our time. And Father, as the word is being spoken and preached over us, would you give us the right hearts to listen, to receive, ears to hear, that he who has ears would hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the body of Christ, citywide church, this morning. Oh, Father, we love you so much. And we pause even again to give you affection. Holy Spirit, we love you. You are welcome among us. Flow not just into this room, but into the room of every person watching online. As we give you all the honor and we give you all the praise, come on, the church says amen. Amen. Back in 2010, Elevation Church released this song that was like the story of my life in that time. Every now and then, for many of us, you get a song for the season, Do I Have a Witness? Maybe in your high school years, it was NSYNC, Bye Bye Bye, when you had just broken up with your boyfriend or girlfriend. I would ask you to sing your song, but I don't want some people to backslide here today, praise the Lord. Maybe you were in a toxic relationship and Britney Spears had you plugged in with her toxic song. Maybe you were into some gangster rap and you thought you were a thug and you were sitting there rocking with 50 Cent Wankster and everything else and you were just sitting there with Jay-Z or Nas and you were on the fringes with some, some random artist, whatever it was. How many of you know you all had a song for a season? And when you hear that song, you go back to that moment. You're like, oh, I remember in the damn hits. You're like, ah, like, like you never heard it before in your life again. You're at a wedding on the dance floor and they hit that song. You're like, ah, everyone screaming. Like, why are we screaming? Like, we know what it is. Come on, let's just do the thing. But we all end up with songs. And music is powerful because music can bring you back to a moment. Music can bring you back to a moment. Well, there I was in 2010, two years removed from a tough time in my life. And I remember this song from Elevation coming out called Give Me Faith. It was a simple song, but the, 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 the bridge of it was really powerful to me. Even though it was very familiar, it was just powerful. It says, because I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. My flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. And those words became like the song of the season for me. Because in truth, if we're honest with ourselves, many of us are in that same place that our flesh is very weak, although our spirit is very willing. We are willing to do things for God in our spirit, but our flesh 
has a different plan. I wanted to do God's will and God's work, but my flesh had a different plan. Do I have anybody who understands what I'm talking about so far? You love God. You want to serve God, but your flesh... God, I'm willing, but I have been so weak. Has that ever been you in your life? I've gone through these times where I've been willing to do the work of God, but the weakness I felt plagued my flesh to the place where I didn't want to do the work in, in like reality, but in the idea of doing it in my mind spiritually, it was a great idea. I'll give you a scenario to help you out. You wanted to wake up early to pray. You went to bed energetic about waking up but you woke up with no energy. And you said, I'll just snooze this button for 10 more minutes or for five more minutes. And then that five minutes turns to like five hours. And now you're rushing to the next thing. And you, you had a willingness, but the weakness overcame it, right? I used to have this recurring dream when I was a kid. Don't laugh at me. And it was this recurring dream that I was in a fight that every time I swung a punch, I could not punch with my strength. I would just like, it would just be these little, and I would always get beat up in the dream. I'm like, Lord, I was like 10, 11, 12, 13, all the time having the same dream. My spirit was willing, but my flesh was weak. That song from Elevation finds its ethos, its heart, its center in the scripture that we just read. And in these verses, Jesus is in one of the most emotionally precarious places in all of the text because Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's about to endure the shame and the scorn of the cross and the pain of it. He's about to be broken for the sins of humanity for you and for me. And so knowing this, Jesus goes to prepare himself in prayer and he brings his inner circle of disciples with him, Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. They go to Gethsemane, and the scripture tells us that Jesus leaves them in one area and goes further on to pray in another area, and he gives them these two instructions to watch and pray with him. Just to watch and to pray with him. In other words, watch and pray with me. It means Jesus goes and prays this famous prayer where he says, Father, pass this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. In other words, God, if there's any other way for salvation to come about that does not include me hanging onto this cross with nails in me, I'm all for that. But whatever you desire of me, I will submit to. And Jesus goes back just one hour later, and he finds the disciples were not praying. They definitely weren't watching because they were sleeping. And then in verse 40 says this, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and he says to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. For the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Two more times he would come back to them. The second time he wouldn't even wake them up because he had just said they're, they're, they're way too far gone. But in the end, he awakens them and says, well, get up guys now because my betrayers are at hand, and the time had come for Jesus to be betrayed by Judas. Now, as we go into the season of the 10 days of prayer, it's important that as a church, we revisit the rhythm of our church. Every year, we have certain things we always talk about, and one of them is prayer. Prayer is absolutely important. In this scripture, Jesus illustrates the importance of prayer in a unique way that might give us a different perspective today on prayer in and of itself. And my heart is to focus on verses 40 and 41. 40 and 41. I'll read it again to you. And he came to the disciples, found them sleeping, and he says to Peter, so you could not watch with me just one hour. 
Watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now Jesus makes this factual observation about the condition of man. And in this address, I love that he directly speaks to Peter. The truth of the fact, the matter is this, that there is a little bit of Peter in all of us. All right, I got three people who are going to be honest with me today. Praise the Lord. That's one for each week I was on vacation. Amen. I got three. Baby, we got three. Hope you're watching online. Praise God. Jesus, is. A, I, I love the fact that Jesus has, number one, Jesus has thousands of disciples. Then he has 72. And then he has 12. And then he has three. Don't let anybody knock you for having an inner circle, okay? Jesus says to Peter, though, the leader of that inner circle, they were all sleeping. <laughs> it's like my kids when I yell at them about something, I get on them about something, and the other one says, well, Arya did it too, but I'm talking to you. Jesus goes directly to Peter. You see, it's in verse 33 and 35 that Peter goes to Jesus, and he tells, he opens his, prout, his mouth, rather, and makes a promise that his integrity couldn't cash. He says, Jesus, I'll never let this happen. I'll go with you to the point of death. And that's where Jesus has that famous scripture. He tells Peter, hey, Pete, by the time the crow, uh, you know, uh, screeches tomorrow morning, uh, you are going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Three times. And Peter's like, chill, Jesus. Never. This is where he tells him that. Now, the inner circle is Peter, James, and John, although there's many people that Jesus is with and around at all times. And he grabs them with the intention to take him and his inner circle to go pray. And he knows about the impending trouble coming his way. So Jesus prays. Here's point number one. If you're new here, I'll preach with three points. Here's point number one. Really simple. That prayer is preparation for future problems. Prayer is not just request for present promises. It's preparation for future problems. Prayer is many things. I don't want to sit there and just put a one thing on it, but prayer, among many things, is preparation of the soul through intimacy with God, the Father, to be prepared to endure hardships in life. Don't get deep on me and say, well, prayer is a lot of things. I know that. But for today's lens, right, today's filter for you Instagram people and Snapchat folk, Today's filter is that prayer is preparation to our spirits for problems. Jesus did not wait until the problem came to pray. He prayed prior to the problem. He prayed and was able to perceive, right, the nearness of the trouble because his heart was so troubled. He understood and was able to watch and discern what was happening around him. It's important for us because oftentimes we pray when the problem manifests. We lose our, I'm going to say some things that might make you feel uncomfortable, get convicted, and, and you might get offended, but nowadays it's called offense. But back in the old days when I was younger, we called it conviction. Amen? Amen. Jesus is basically saying to them, like, if you're going to get through problems, you've got to have a prayer life. Many of us don't develop the prayer life until the problem comes. But if we had been praying prior to the problem, the problem wouldn't be as big of an issue because we would have an intimacy with Christ and a fellowship in his sufferings to know that this is not as bad as it looks. In prayer, that communion with God, that intimacy in it, he equips us with the tools needed to endure the seasons of trial and torment. 
It's in that time of prayer. Now, if you have avoided the place of prayer and you call yourself a believer, I want to tell you that you are living in error. If prayer is not a priority in your life, you, you might ask yourself if you are even in process as a maturing believer. A person without an intimate relationship with God in prayer is a churchgoer, not a Christian and a follower of Christ. Are you with me so far? It's in prayer that he keeps preparing us. Some of you, I want to tell you the truth, the reason you keep falling backwards when problems come is because you have a lack of prayer. You don't have a lack of promises. You don't have a lack of a provider. You don't have a lack of a God. You have a lack of connection to that God through intimate prayer because prayer produces the preparation needed to endure and to withstand in your place while the ways of the enemy come. Where there is no prayer, there is no preparation. If you're finding yourself blindsided, you've been in a lack of prayer. Where there is no preparation, you can tell there's been no prayer. A famous Christian author, one of my favorites, his name is Leonard Ravenhill. He said in one of his books, Why Revival Tears, he says this line. He says, no man is greater than his prayer life. There's no way to be great in the kingdom, great at your job, great in the world of the eyes of God without an intimate connection with him. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. This is not a thing for a certain age bracket. I am telling you, you need to have a committed prayer life in your daily routine, not out of religion, but out of relationship with God. You know, when you're in love, <laughs> you say silly stuff. You say stuff to your spouse like, I don't mind going through stuff as long as I go through it with you. I don't mind. I'd rather struggle and be broke with you than go live with your parents and do it on their dime. Let's do it ourselves and be broke together, falling deeper in love in the midst of trials. But in truth, it is those troublesome times when you struggle together that often brings you together. That causes a harmony and it causes such an in sync kind of mindset where you are in step with one another because you've been through some things together. It's no different in prayer when you are in love with Jesus and you are going through it with Jesus. We're in a season, I want to be honest, where there is a, such a prayerlessness gripping the church. It is astounding. It is astounding to how many of you listening under the sound of my voice have no prayer life. Some of you watching online, I want to tell you flat out, I know some of you don't have a prayer life judging by the emails and messages I'm getting because there's no preparation for anything that you're enduring. There has to be a church who stands up to understand that God is calling us to a place of prayer and of watchfulness on the walls of intercession. When Jesus describes the church, he says, my house shall be a house of not worship and sing-along, not good preaching from Pastor Lewis, not fun stuff and programs for your kids, although we do it and it's good, but it should be rooted as a house of prayer. You've turned it into a house of prayer requests. Will you want somebody else to pray for you? Oh, I don't want to, y'all just imagine if it was four weeks I was gone, praise God. How it must grieve the heart of God to know he's offered such an intimate connection with all of us, but that we've avoided it because we're too busy, that we're 
not on the road to getting ahead, but falling behind constantly because the weakness of our flesh overcomes the wilderness of our spirits. Here's the stupid, crazy part. Here's the craziest part of it all. This is the psychologically baffling part of this whole thing. I know in my heart of hearts, I am convinced that every single one of you, you want to pray. It is intrinsically in our inner man. It's one of the seven uh, habits of a healthy human heart that Mike Bickle talks about. You have a desire to be known by God and to talk to God. It's in you. You want to know God. But oftentimes that willingness to know God is overcome by the weakness of the flesh. Now, weakness of the flesh does not necessarily mean sin. Don't think that I'm saying you're in sin. I'm saying that you might just be too busy. You might let other things take the place of God where that could become sinful. When you look at the the scripture of the banquet where Jesus tells the parable of the master and the king throwing a banquet and people had excuses as to why they could not come, he gives them, the people give the king rather excuses of daily life. Just got married, I'm too busy. Just bought a new field, go check it out. Just bought a new oxen. Let him go try them out in the field. What did Jesus say that the last days would be like in the days of Noah? You know, marriage and giving in marriage. Otherwise, he's saying life would be as normal to them as possible. And then like a thief in the night, the end will come. Where there is no prayerfulness that the church isn't watching and praying. There is a level of unpreparedness that we should be realizing that we are unprepared for. It takes discipline to be in a strong rhythm of prayer. Prayer for the body of Christ is like the immune system of the body of Christ. It's preparation for the problems that will come. It prepares the spirit not for promises, but for problems. Because we have been postured in the presence, we can overcome them. Why should we pray? Well, one of the reasons that why we pray is to overcome the hardships of life. We know this because of what Jesus said in Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus stated that in order to Peter to not to fall into the temptation that was coming up to him, that he should watch and pray. Now, what does it mean to watch and pray? Most of you know what it means to pray. That could be conversation with God, listening to God, talking to God, pleading with God, requesting from God. But what does it mean to watch? Watching means, believe this or not, to stay awake. Not just to stay awake, but to use your spiritual discernment to ask the Lord what is taking place around you and in your city and in the earth that he would have you be a part of, to look at the signs of the time and to not sit there and be a, a no good, like low energy, Debbie Downer, a, you know, prophetic end times, end times, end times, end times, that you are sending everybody to hell, but to watch and to discern what is happening in the area and in the earth so that you would sharpen your spiritual senses, that you would see what God is doing and be able to be a part of it. That you would know, that you would watch the signs of the time and see what God is saying for the season. That you would be like one of the sons of Issachar who didn't just know what time it was but knew what to do for King David. What is your prayer life looking like? Take an honest inventory. And if your prayer life has ever been better than it is right now, you have regressed. And I think that during this kind of time of year, it's easy to fall into a different rhythm. But I want to encourage you to get to a rhythm of prayer. Then Jesus says, watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation or enter into that temptation. 
And Jesus was just a few feet away from these three disciples. And it's just like us that every time we don't feel Jesus near us, we fall asleep somehow spiritually. But Jesus is just like a stone's throw away. And Jesus comes back and he addresses the leader, Peter. He says, hey, Pete, you should be watching and praying that you don't enter into temptation. Now, what is the temptation that Jesus is talking about? Remember, he is talking directly to Peter, but it's also to be understood that he's addressing everybody in that group. But he's waking up Peter first, and he's addressing Peter. Here's why. Because in the prior verses, as I said earlier, Jesus has told Peter, before the rooster crows, three time, uh, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. The temptation is coming. And so Jesus says, you should be watching and praying because the temptation to, to abandon me is coming. Here's another way to put it, right? Peter is about to be tested in his love and his loyalty for Jesus. This is why I said all of us have a little bit of Peter in us because all of us on a constant basis are tested on our love and our loyalty for Jesus. Here's point number two, real simple, that all believers are tempted in their love and their loyalty for Jesus. All believers are tempted in their love and their loyalty to Jesus. Every temptation, every sin, no matter what it is, at its root is trying to tempt you to see if you are more loyal to Jesus or to your flesh. Every sin at its root is tempting you to see, are you going to be faithful to God's love in your life or to what you love in your flesh? Are you going to have that extramarital fear? Are you going to watch that pornography? Are you going to cuss that person out? Are you going to keep on walking with that attitude? Are you going to keep on gossiping about people around you? Are you going to keep on talking bad about your boss? Are you going to, or will you represent me? Will you be loyal? Will you love me and shut your mouth? Will you walk away from sin? Will you walk out of conversations that don't honor God? Will you be a person who is a strong tower for me and not like the chaff of the wheat that was no good that's blown away by the wind and thrown into the fire. Every temptation known to man is at its root challenging our love and our loyalty to the cross of Jesus Christ and who he is in our lives. When temptation comes, the enemy of our soul is saying, will you be more loyal to me than to your sin? Will you settle for less even though he sacrificed himself on the cross? Do you love him enough to continue on in sin or denying that sin? Listen, church, here's the crazy part. Here's the bugged out part. Peter had no shortage of enthusiasm. He only had a shortage of moral stamina. Peter was not short of enthusiasm. He was enthusiastic about Jesus. He was ready to die for Jesus. He was ready to do wild stuff for Jesus in his spirit. But in his flesh, he would soon prove to be weak. Why? Because his morality and his stamina did not meet. Peter had an issue with his morality. Your enthusiasm for Jesus is of no need if it doesn't have a deep well of stamina to back it up. But that is built in the closet of prayer. While I was on vacation, I started watching this show called Titan Games with The Rock. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's just it's 
this game where these people who are, are like really buff and really like extra strong and really big and really like diesel, they have these crazy competitive, it's like Ninja Warrior on steroids. It's like American Gladiator met Ninja Warrior, had two kids, and then they met some other Titan gods and had a game. It's an amazing like competition, a feat of strength. It's just awesome. And the amazing thing was, every time someone lost, it wasn't because of a lack of strength. It was a lack of stamina. They couldn't make it any further on because they ran out of energy for the race. They were strong. They could, they could bench me times five. They were picking up stuff that I got a backache just watching it. I caught a cramp watching the show. I was like, oh, this is horrible. But it's stamina. Some of you have a lot of enthusiasm for Jesus. Oh, but when temptation comes, the moral stamina isn't there. And here's the answer why. Because you have not spent the time to watch and to pray. Jesus said, here, Peter, I'm giving you the remedy to the sickness you're about to face. I'm giving you the remedy. Peter, here's what it is. If you would just watch and pray. But sometimes we think that's too simple. How could that, like, how could that? No. I'm reminded of the guy who, who went to the prophet to be cleansed of his leprosy. And he says, go wash yourself in the Jordan River. And he's like, what? I got better rivers back where I'm from. And he, he goes off and his servant's like, well, well, you should just do what he said. He's not asking much of you. Because sometimes it's the most mundane things that could bring the greatest kind of move of God in your spirit. Some of you want the, the moment with God that he just changes everything, but that's built off of many moments, y'all. When we fail to pray, build that communion with God and prepare our hearts for the adversities of life and ask the Lord for discernment of what is coming or where we find ourselves falling into temptations that God had prepared for us to be missing because we were going to be prepared in prayer. You know, at different intervals in my life, I've always traced back my weariness to a lack of, of worship and prayer. Whenever I find myself getting really tired again, I'm like, oh, how's my prayer life? Do I have to up it a little bit here? Do I have to go further in God? You know, the, the, the most alarming thing to me is not the lack of prayer in church. It's the lack of urgency to fix the lack of prayer in church. I remember when I was younger, the prayer services were not optional in church. I remember when God was worth everything I could give him, no matter what day of the week it was on. I remember just pleading before the Lord. I remember my mom teaching me how to tarry before the Lord on a Wednesday night. But we fall short with that enthusiasm because the moral stamina and the character isn't there to get past the temptations of life. Then we fall into the attitude, the sin, the gossip, the argument, the anger, the wrath, the sexual sin, the masturbation, the pornography, the spiritual apathy, just the laziness of our spirits. We fall into that. And then we think, well, you know what it is? I just need to pull back even more. I'm doing too much. Let me just be on myself more. And then we get into isolation. And then from isolation, we get into desperation. And then desperation, we start blaming everybody else. But nobody reached out to me. <laughs> Did you reach out to anybody either? Oh, Okay. Somebody said, Pastor, you didn't call me. I said, you didn't call me. <laughs> I had one person, true story, and they said to me, um, you know, Jesus said he would leave the 99 to find the one. I said, I know, I know, but that was a sheep. 
You're being a goat. Because a goat knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing in church, but they choose to go astray. They choose to walk in sin. It's a difference. Church, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you to this place of realizing that God is trying to tell you that many of the issues that you would face would be remedied with the resolution of prayer in your life, that you would come to him. He looks at Peter and says to him, Peter, your spirit is willing. I see it, but your flesh is weak. Lewis, your spirit is willing, but at times your flesh is weak. I know you want more of me. I talk to myself. I know, Lewis, you want more of me, but you've got to press into that place of prayer. Because your flesh is your downfall. There is no shortage of enthusiasm. Just that stamina to get to the next place in me. Daily the enemy is seeking to test the love and the loyalty that you have for Jesus. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So number one, we've got to understand that prayer is preparation for future problems. Secondly, that we're all going to be tempted in our love and our loyalty for Jesus. And so there's Jesus with his sleeping disciples, having come back a second and a third time, and they're sleeping. And they have a desire for him, and they have an enthusiasm for him, but they have not the ability to discern what is ahead. And they've missed everything that he has said, and they are sleeping there. And they know something's coming because the Bible in one version says that they're asleep due to sorrow. They know something's coming. They're very sad, but they don't know what is coming in its entirety. But here's the crazy part, that Jesus brought Peter there for the same reason that Jesus went there. Jesus and Peter had the same issue. Their spirit was willing, but their flesh was weak. And that may sound sacrilegious to say, but look at the prayer of Jesus. If it is possible, his flesh, could you take this from me, Father? Nevertheless, your will above my will. Nevertheless, I'll let my spirit be stronger than my flesh in this moment. And through prayer, Jesus acquires the strength to go to the cross. He had brought Peter there because he knew that Peter had a willingness of spirit, but a weakness of the flesh. And he was hoping that probably Peter would get the same exact strength that he was about to get. But Peter fell asleep. How many Peters do I have here who God has beckoned you to a place of intercession, but you have abandoned it. You're sleeping in the place of prayer. Sleeping on the wall, so to speak. And he's like, watch and pray. You see, in his humanity, he said, if it's possible, take this. But in his spirit, he says, I'm going to be loyal to the plan of my Father. I'm going to love you more than I love myself. And I'm going to do your will at all costs. Jesus was facing the temptation to abandon the plans of his Father. Much like Peter was facing the temptation in a moment to abandon the plans of Jesus for his life and choose his own. You see, Peter is facing that same thing, but Peter refuses to pray. Jesus tells Peter, I know your spirit is down for the cause, but your flesh will derail you. And he says, Peter, I've given you the prescription to the problem you face if you would watch and pray. 
See, Jesus goes in prayer and he overcomes weakness of the flesh and he strengthens the willingness of the spirit. Here's point number three, that prayer bridges the gap between our weakness and our willingness. That prayer bridges that gap from where I was once weak, now I am strong. And where I was willing, I am now double willing because I have been strengthened in my spirit with communion and intimacy with my Father. Jesus saw this. He recognizes that it would be through prayer that he would go to the cross. You see, the key to not constantly falling into the small tests and traps of the enemy and, and the test of the Lord and the traps of Satan is to have this thing called a habitual prayer life where you watch and pray and you spend time with the Lord and you walk with the Lord. If you desire to get to a place of intimacy with God, church, it's got to be through watching and praying. Man, I challenge you, you cannot lead your family if you have no prayer life. Husbands, you cannot be an effective husband void of prayer. You cannot be effective in your life void of prayer. All the enthusiasm in the world means nothing if you don't pray. Young men, you will not stay pure without a prayer life. Seek the Lord. Go before him in prayer. Ladies, how can you walk out the destiny God has for you? Wives, how can you walk out the destiny God has for you? Void of prayer. How can you be mothers and ministers of your home if you cannot pray and find time to put God first? If the children take the place of God, they become an idol. But how much more should we seek the Lord that we might mother them and teach them? Fathers, the Bible says for fathers to train their children, not mothers. The Bible says for fathers to teach their children the ways of God. The Bible says fathers should tell the stories of God in their families. It is not up to the mothers. It is up to the dads. But if you have no word in you, if you got no scripture in you, how can you be an effective father? Far be it from us as men to not be in the place of prayer. But to find a place of prayer in our lives. He's saying, watch and pray. How can the church move forward if the body doesn't want to pray? How can congregational prayer become optional when people know they need God? How can personal prayer become optional when you have a desperate need of God? I want to challenge you to a place of prayer in your life. Watch and pray that your weakness turns to willingness. By the power of prayer. The Father never spoke to Jesus. It's never on record that the Father spoke to Jesus when he prayed. But it was just being in his presence. You might not get the answer you want from God, but having the conversation in and of itself. See, God's a good listener. God's not like most men when you tell us something, we want to fix it. He's okay with just listening. You might not get the answer you want, but you will get the strength you need. You might not get the answers you want, but you'll get the sufficiency of his grace. You might not get the response you want, but you will get the retribution of God when it comes time. You may not get the victory you want, but you will be vindicated. You may not get the glory in the moment that you want, 
but you will in the end have the story of one who has overcome, one who has triumphed, one who has seen God, one who knows him through spiritual intimacy and prayer. You will. Maybe your story is much like mine that at various places in your life you've identified your weakness to a lack of prayer and you were willing but your flesh was weak and you kept on falling from God and falling into the things of the world. But I implore you to get before the Lord to bridge the gap of prayer from weakness to willingness. If you're here today and you've strayed from the Lord, I encourage you that the God of grace is sufficient for you to reconcile, to come home to his heart to shift from weakness to willingness. And maybe you're here and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. My challenge to you is to press on in prayer, to not abandon the prayer. Intercessors don't abandon the place of prayer. If the Lord has placed you on the wall, there will be a price to pay for when you abandon a post he has given you. If you don't know Jesus, maybe the first prayer you pray is Jesus have my heart. Jesus, take my life. Every one of us has an expiration date on our lives. But it's the heart of God that you would spend eternity with him. So because he loves you so much, he made a way for you. He made a way to the son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for your sins. And he is an eternal payment for an eternal offense that we can walk in. And Jesus gives us salvation and right standing with God. If you would receive him today, come on, would you stand with me? If you know he's good, just tell him, I know you're good, Jesus. Would you bow your heads all across this sanctuary? Oh, Jesus, only you know, only you know what each and every one of us truly needs. Could you speak to us? Could you nudge our hearts? Lord, there are some among us who have abandoned that place of prayer. Not because we don't love you, but because, Lord, there's a hopelessness gripping people's hearts. There's some who here feel like they've prayed in vain and they cry out. Like the psalmist says in Psalms 13, how long will my tears be my food? Oh, but Lord, you're still there with them. Would you give them a strength of heart? There are still yet others among us in the sound of my voice, Jesus, whether online or in this house. They know that they know that they know that they know you've called them to places of prayer. There are men who have abandoned their posts as the man of their house, as the husband who's a high priest in their house. Would you teach us as husbands to come back to your heart? There are mothers who are overwhelmed, Jesus. And in their tiredness, we've abandoned you. Not from a lack of love, Jesus, but from a lack of strength. 
teach us to love you even more. And give us the grace to go even further in our prayer lives. And Lord, if there be any among us who know not your Son as a Savior, give them the wisdom, the wisdom, the strength, the grace to offer their hearts to you. Jesus, Citywide Church just comes before you this morning and says, this is a house of prayer. Restore unto us the joy of our fellowship with you in prayer if we've lost that, God. weakness to willingness by the power of prayer. From unable to fully able, come on by the power of prayer. Meet us right here, right now. Meet our hearts. Shed the burden of disappointment, God. I feel such a a sense of disappointment in the heart of some people in this room. And I just pray right now that you would sever that burden of disappointment and hope deferred. We love you. And teach us this week to go after you in our prayer times. To set time aside for you. To not count it robbery to put you first. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Would you guard us and guide us this week, God? Come on, the church says amen. Amen. And amen. We love you so much, Citywide.